A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Karma You podcast. This is your host, Chloe Brotheridge. I'm a coach, a hypnotherapist, and I'm the author of The Anxiety Solution and Brave New Girl. And this podcast is all about helping you to become your calmest, happiest, and most confident self. Today on the podcast, I had the pleasure of speaking to Caroline Goider, who is a voice coach, and she's the author of the new book, Find Your Voice. She's also a TEDx speaker, and her TED talk has had seven and a half million views, which is really incredible. In this episode, we're talking all about confidence, particularly confidence when it comes to speaking, whether that's speaking on a stage, speaking up in a meeting or speaking on the phone. And this is, I hope, such a reassuring chat because both Caroline and I have struggled in this area before. We both admitted to having blushed in the past. And so it's really coming from a place of her having experienced the nervousness and the fear that comes along with speaking and having learned a lot about it herself, made loads of progress, and now she gets to help other people with that as well. So we talk about Caroline's definition of confidence, and I think this is really interesting, not what you might be expecting. We talk about why nerves are actually a good thing and why there's nothing to be ashamed about if you do experience nerves before speaking. It's actually completely normal and I hope this conversation can help to normalize it even more and help you to know there's nothing to be ashamed of. We talk about how to overcome the specific things that can hold us back from speaking like blushing or shaking or speaking too fast and Caroline shares lots of tips on growing your confidence in general when it comes to speaking phone phobia and people who experience this will know what I'm talking about if you're scared of being on the phone in front of other people in the office for example or if you're someone that maybe doesn't like to answer the phone when people call if it's an unknown number for example I'm one of these people by the way and we just get into loads of helpful ideas around the topic of speaking confidence and finding your voice so if you want to get some free resources from me on growing your confidence boosting your self-esteem, calming anxiety. I've got loads of freebies on my website for you. If you head over to karmayou.com forward slash free and enter your email address there, I'm going to send you MP3s, worksheets, podcast updates, and loads more. So head over to karmayou.com forward slash free. So let's get into the interview with Caroline Goida. So welcome, Caroline. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you? I'm good. Pleasure to be here. Please, can you tell us what it is that you do and how you came to do the work that you do today? So I guess you could say I'm a voice coach, which makes people think I'm going to make them sing, but I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) I 
I teach people how to feel confident when they speak. And often that's in presentations or, you know, big public speaking moments, but it might not be. It might be that they have to do a job interview or that they're nervous about a pitch or something. But I think what links it is the spotlight moment. It's people in the spotlight. And I came to it because I was an actor who found it difficult. So all of the stuff I teach people is stuff that I've really had to learn myself. It wasn't natural when I started. And so I'm really understanding when people say I find this difficult or I get nervous. Because I've felt that too. Still do, actually. The first thing that came to my mind then was just remembering the, the oft quoted saying that public speaking fear is our biggest fear like more than death is that actually true do you think or is that like gosh a <laughs> I mean it's massive isn't it if it is true I, I don't know about the death fear so I don't I, I can't compare it but I know how many people you know people who run companies people who you see on telly people who seem really confident people they all tell me that they're nervous about these things so I just have this assumption, which is that everybody's nervous and that that's a really good sign. And there are a few people who don't get nervous, but that's not a good thing, actually. It shows that there's a kind of a lack of empathy for your audience or a lack of awareness as to what could, could go wrong. And actually, those things are really good. So I think nerves are good. I think we should welcome them a bit more. I heard once that only psychopaths don't experience fear because that part of their brain just isn't developed enough. Exactly. To, so actually it's a good thing yeah. to, to be nervous. If you feel nervous before public speaking, you're not a psychopath. <laughs> good, well done everyone. <laughs> um, I think that's a really interesting point about just assuming that everyone is nervous because I think we, we often do the opposite. I know I do. I think I'm the only one that experiences this. Everyone else has got their stuff together you know, she looks so confident. I definitely have had those thoughts before. But actually, it's such a common, almost universal thing to experience that, do you think? I think it's totally universal. And it's that old chestnut that we we judge people's outsides and we compare ourselves against the outside. And when, if you kind of lived in their world for a moment, you would discover that they are, they have their own kind of nerves. It's different for all of us, but I... I truly believe that most people feel nervous in the spotlight and that they should welcome it. And so why is that? That's probably quite a big question, but what, what is it about being in the spotlight, whether that's getting up on stage or even when you're put on the spot in a meeting to answer something or you have to say your name at a, a workshop? What is it about those things that we get nervous? Why? Why? I mean, what I hear from people, and I experienced it myself so I can relate to it, is is that fear of visibility, isn't it? Because there's a moment where in that meeting or in that presentation, everybody turns to look at you. And that's scary. It's a risk. Now, what I know is that there's something you can do with that moment in terms of how you breathe before you speak that will make that feel like a good risk, you know, like an exciting moment, not terrifying but what most people do, because they don't know how the voice works, is they, they gasp the breath and then they start to rush because fight or flight is saying run away, punch them, hide under the table. And so the whole experience becomes visible in the spotlight of other people's judgment and also out of control. There's no wonder people don't like that because that's horrible. Yeah. It's a horrible combination. It's like, I don't know, ice skating out of control in front of people would be equally horrible. So it can kind of spiral in a sense because I think, well, I can definitely relate to this. If you feel yourself getting hot 
And then suddenly you're aware that you're getting hot and you think other people can notice it and that makes you get even hotter. It's hideous. And then it just spirals. And it's, the, it's that thing that you're standing there in front of everybody looking at you and, I mean, to some extent they are judging you, but there are, there are ways to play with how we perceive that. Because mm. most people want you to do well, that's the truth. But we don't sense that when we're in that horrible spotlight of visibility because it just feels like a threat. So people aren't there, like, wishing that you'll trip over your words or something. They're actually, yeah, they want you to do well. I think that's an important thing to remember. It really is, and it's true for most of us. I mean, maybe there are moments in the House of Commons, you know, there are certain speakers for whom that's probably not true, but that's pretty rare. Most people want you to say something interesting in a relaxed way, and that's quite useful to remember. Mm-hmm. Why do people, <laughs> this is another kind of big question, I often hear people saying that they hate the sound of their own voice to the point where they don't want to hear themselves speaking, they don't want to hear a recording or watch a video. Um, do, you, do you find that people say that? I often hear people say to me, I can't believe you, as a hypnotherapist, have to always hear your own voice. Don't you hate it? And I was like, first time I hated it, but I've got used to it now and I'm fine with it. But what, why is it that we, we don't really like that? It's really, really normal and I hear it so often from people. And I think... There's all sorts of science around this, which is that the the way we process our own sound is as much through the body as through the ear canal. And and so when we hear our voice recorded, we're not getting the same thing when we speak because we're getting all this vibration that we don't pick up on a recording. But I think there's also something around the fact that we kind of live in our heads a bit. And if I think my voice is just something that's a sound in my brain and you know in my ears and if I don't understand that it's manufactured in the body you know on the diaphragm in the lungs in the larynx then when I'm speaking I might also be kind of listening to myself as I speak and when I do that and it's recorded it creates a very self-conscious voice and I'm not surprised that people don't like hearing that so what I say to people is if you don't like your voice don't listen to it when you speak feel it Feel your voice. Feel where it vibrates in your body. Feel how the breath comes out to create it. Feel what it feels like to shape it in your mouth so that you get into your kinesthetic sense rather than obsessively judging how you're sounding moment by moment as you speak because that's just not... It's way too self-conscious and then it does start to sound a bit strange. Mm, okay. I, I really like how you talk about the, the voice has been like an instrument and... Can you talk about that, about the body being the, the resonator? Is that what oh, you yeah. talk about? I love that. I just, I mean, I love the voice and I really think more people should kind of just, I'd like everybody to love it a bit more because your voice is like a guitar. You have it, you know, if, you, if you're listening and you find your throat, if you just put your fingers on your larynx, which is, it's just, you, it's the Adam's apple. That's the cartilage that houses the vocal folds. And behind that, if you just give it a shake, uh, that houses your vocal folds. And they're like, I mean, really, it, this is, you know, they're a sphincter broadly, and that when you make sound, they vibrate the folds. And so that's the string of your guitar. And then if you go lower down, if you just find your rib cage, and it, you just have to imagine where your bra strap is or would be if you're not wearing a bra strap. I don't want to gender this too much. And at that point, just below your bra strap is the diaphragm. And if you just go, uh, just tap that point. You can feel the sound pushes out. Uh, 
And that's the hitter, the airflow coming out of your lungs, supported by your diaphragm, hits the vocal folds and it vibrates. So you've got a string, you've got a hitter, and then you've got the body, which is like the body of the guitar, and that vibrates the sound. So we have this super cool instrument within us, and, it, and the more we understand it, the more control we have, which is nice. I love that. I, ha- I have heard people say that if the human voice was an instrument, it would be the most advanced it's musical instrument in the universe. Yeah, it's, it's it can amazing. do these amazing things, yeah. Mm. Can we, can we talk a bit more about the fears that people have around speaking up and being heard and being seen? Because I suppose that comes comes into it as well. It might not be just about the voice. It might be about actually having the eyes on you. And I think there's different things. There's firstly that people will say things like, you're not clear enough, or you're tripping over your words, or we don't like your accent, which comes up sometimes. Or no. yeah, or I mean, I think it's changing. I think that's yeah. in a way that's old news, but there are still some people who say that. And then things like you're not loud enough. So there's all the stuff around what we talked about in terms of trusting your voice. But then there's another piece which is much more psychological, which is about saying something that people might disagree with, or people judging you, or people making a decision about you because of something that you said. And I think lots, there are lots of people who really want to focus on connection when they speak. And the truth is that sometimes when you speak, connection is not necessarily the thing that's going to happen. So if you're in the meeting and you need to say to someone, you know, I, 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 we were talking about book titles earlier. Say you work in publishing and you need to say, I think that book title's not right. You might go against the whole room when you say that. And sometimes in those moments you can't have connection and you are going to have to stand out and you are going to have to be different. And I think that can feel very visible and very vulnerable and very scary, but there are things that you can do to centre yourself and to be bold and to be brave, you know, as you talk about in your work as well. So what? So if someone, for example, I'm imagining this scene now, having to stand up to someone in the meeting and they're noticing the, the racing heart and the... I don't know, that sense of just wanting to just not speak. What, what advice would you have for them in that moment? I'd say understand that fight or flight is affecting you. And it's a really useful response for survival. But probably it's not helpful here because, you know, if we're in, say, that publishing meeting, you might have a different view, but they're not going to hurt you. Nobody's going to hurt you. So then what you have to understand is that you can really just centre yourself quite quickly and just say to your system, you're safe. And years ago, I interviewed loads of A-list actors about this. And the tips I learned were so fundamentally useful, I've used them ever since. And there was a lovely actress called Hayley Atwell who said that before she went on stage, she was at the National at the time I interviewed her, and she said, you stand in the wings and you just think, I can feel my feet on the floor, I can feel the air on my face, I can feel the clothes on my skin. And just coming back to that sensory fact, those facts, takes you out of the head that's going, oh my God, they're all looking at me, they're going to hate me, I'll never work again. And it's just really come back to the body. And these days I just do fofbok, which you might, it's a real um, mindfulness tool. Feet on floor, bum on chair. Fofbok, I haven't heard that, I love that. It's super cool. I think dot B... I think it comes from Dot B, which is a mindfulness program in schools, okay. I think. Yes, yeah, yeah. 
good to remember. So coming back to the body, noticing what you're feeling, feet on the ground, the air, the clothes on your back, and that will help you to get out of the, the spiraling and the the kind of mental freak out that we can get into when we're in that situation. And um, it's just not helpful, is it? it yeah. It, it can happen at the worst times. I've um I've probably talked about this on the podcast before, but I once was uh, giving a presentation, I got up to speak and it went white in front of my eyes. Oh. My lungs felt like they were on fire. It was a really the weirdest sensation ever. I thought I was going to die. And when I was speaking, I had the sense I was watching myself from the ceiling. So I think that's called dissociation, um, where you feel like you come out of your body, basically. And somehow I managed to survive that experience Idiot. and get yeah. through it. don't know what happened. But after that, I was not keen to get up and do that again. And um, I think I, I do speak to people who've had kind of bad experiences, basically, with speaking. And then, you know, even if it's... Uh, I had one client once who, um, when he was eight years old, got up in front of the class and got told off for, for saying something incorrectly. And he was a CEO of a big company and was really struggling with public speaking because oh, of this, this yeah. time. So things can really stay with us, I think, those sorts of experiences and kind of traumatise us, I think. I, th- I think there is a trauma for people and it's just, I think you have to be really gentle with your body and your voice and just make it understand that an audience can feel safe. I mean, my, my big thing is that if you can chat to three people, you know, over a glass of wine or a cup of tea and have a relaxed conversation, there's no reason in the world why you can't do that in front of 3,000 people. And I think we just have to get rid of the whole notion of public speaking because, you know, we don't say public dancing or public singing. We just say singing, dancing. And speaking has kind of got this big, it's like it's on a big pedestal, but it's just talking. And we're all really good at that. And and I think when we allow it to feel normal and just to feel like something that we can do from our own centre, from a relaxed place, the whole thing becomes more doable but you do have to understand how to centre yourself first in that spotlight because your body maybe is going, oh, it's scary mm. for all the reasons that may mm. come from your past, you mm. know. Yeah. And it can make such a difference, I suppose, if you can be centred and, and learn to enjoy that. It can open up so many opportunities for God, people yeah. and take away so much stress if you can overcome this. So it's definitely something worth focusing on and learning more about. Um what would you say about the, the physical aspect? So I have blushed in public before, which is not a nice thing. Some people talk about shaking, those sorts of things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you have any insights into what people can do if they're worried about that sort of thing happening? So much so. I mean, I guess the, the, the things that people ask about are blushing. And I'm a blusher, by the way, so I can say this, you know, from a place of, of knowledge, there's, there's the voice shaking. There's the hands shaking, which also happens, and there's the going at hyper speed. Those are all things that people talk about when they hit fight or flight. So the first thing I would say is is think about speed, because that's you know that's the adrenaline coursing through your system, and you do really need to get a handle on that. The thing to understand is that all speech is out breath, certainly in English, and so on the in breath you're pausing. Now, not all pauses are created equal. Lots of people hold their breath on a pause. And that tells the system that this is not particularly safe. 
and other people do a kind of that's overdoing it but so you can hear they kind of do a chest gasp on the pause because they're rushing and their system's going get this over with so I'm Caroline and I'm going to be telling you today about speaking with confidence and I'm kind of overdoing it but that's what's happening and that's saying to your system this is unsafe so first rule that you learn at drama school is you walk out on stage you relax your feet because that says to your nervous system you're safe you breathe out and the audience don't know what you're doing you close your mouth you wait for a lovely relaxed breath in like a lovely smell and when you have that breath that's when you start and it's kind of like stroking your nervous system it's saying it's okay yeah there's a bit of adrenaline but you're going to be fine and if you can set yourself up with that start ground feet breathe out wait for the breath in lovely smell off we go then you just stop at every full stop and take that relaxed breath And the whole thing becomes a conversation because that's what we do when we chat. You know, I don't go, and then this happened. I just close mouth, wait for the breath in, say the next thing. And that's how public speaking should be. But you do, it's something that, it's like driving lessons. It doesn't come immediately. You do have to practice it. So I always say to people, put voice notes on and practice it with those lovely relaxed pauses. And then they're so surprised because they go, that pause felt like, hours and they hear it and it's nothing so once you've got that in place then you find that the voice won't shake anymore because the voice is shaking because your system is saying punch them run away and if you say to your system you're safe voice doesn't shake with blushing I mean as I say if I think about blushing I can blush but the thing that I've been taught which works for me is if you focus your attention out So notice what you can see in the room. Notice someone smiling at you. As soon as your energy goes off you, you're not thinking, oh my God, I'm blushing and they're looking and the whole thing will dial down. Because it's often the story that we're telling ourselves about blushing that makes us blush more. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, totally. I I found like, I just tried to accept myself for the fact that that happened and say, I'm okay with that happening. If it happens, it's not a big deal. Um, easier said than done I know but it's kind of having that acceptance of I once heard someone say be cool with blushing like yeah. I'm cool with it it happens sometimes sort of thing it's quite and nice it in a way yeah it yeah. says that you have a sense of kind of shame and a sense of audience and so I think in some ways mm. we see it as someone's honest and so it's all right yeah, yeah. And when you were describing the slow, the slow breath and the pause, I started to feel calmer just you describing oh. that. So I think that's an amazing tip. And I think, I suppose, taking those pauses, does that also put the audience at ease as well? You know, and so that will create like a positive feedback loop of them feeling calmer because you're speaking slowly. So much. That sort of thing, yeah. And, and the thing is that you can speak with pace and energy when you speak. It's just those pauses are always there for you. And when an audience are able to breathe with you in a relaxed way, absolutely, they feel more relaxed too. So the positive feedback loop is really real. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to ask you about confidence and what what your definition of confidence was. Oh, it's funny, it's changed. So I think if you'd asked me that 10 years ago, I, I might have talked about presence and charisma and and. And now I just think it's about someone who's so kind of centered in themselves and relaxed that they're open to what's happening fully, that they're listening. And I think people who 
The people I look at as speakers are the people who really listen. They're on stage and they're really present to the audience. And I think in a world that that's, we're all so distracted and you know, multitasking, I think that's, that presence and that listening, is that's what confidence is for me now. Mm. When I see it, I'm like, yeah, that. <laughs> love, it, love it. And I love um, you write in the book, the, the Latin for confidence comes from confidere, and that means to trust. And I just thought, I've never, I've never heard that before. And I think a lot about confidence, but that sense of trust for yourself, I suppose. Trust that, I think, in my experience of, for example, doing podcasts, I was really nervous the first probably dozen podcasts I recorded. And then you learn to trust yourself because you learn that actually I can survive the situation. You know, the words do come out. You know, even if there's a pause, it doesn't really matter. And so, yeah, I love, I love thinking about in that way that we can develop that trust for ourselves trust is everything because it 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 makes us kind of go quiet in our heads doesn't it and then you know it's like roger federer or something it's like the when you look at mastery in any field they've got such a sense of trust in what they do that they can just be really present to what's happening and of course we've got to be gentle with ourselves because you know, you've become a master at what you do over, you know, over years. And I've done a lot of public speaking so that you you kind of, you have to be kind to yourself if you're learning something new. You know, so like I've been in a choir recently and I don't have that trust in myself in the choir, but I have a trust that if I keep going, <laughs> if I keep practicing, that trust will come. So it's, it's be kind to yourself at first and, and allow trust to develop and it will. Because I think we have that expectation of needing to be good at stuff straight away, don't we? And that's just so unrealistic. <laughs> it takes time. It, all of this, and and I just and when I started out doing this, like you know, I, I really was the student who didn't get it twenty years ago. And it it's so nice. There's a benefit to getting older in the sense that you do start to learn the things that you thought you couldn't do. But I do think people have to allow maybe not twenty years. You know, with voice, if you practice every day for two weeks, you will get the pauses. They'll come. They'll be yours. It's that 21 days thing. Ah, yes. So is that the key, do you think, practice listening to your, listening to recordings of yourself? Little and often. Mm. And I mean, a simple thing is just if you sing in the morning, and people laugh, but if you just put some music on you love and just sing along, it's so good for you. It's, It's great for your confidence. It's great for your mood. And it will also just warm up your voice. So sing, move, breathe, meditate. All of this is fantastic for your voice because it's all about the breath. I was going to ask you about singing because I used to have a big fear of singing and I, over the last couple of years, have been trying to sing more in front of people. Um, and I think I've kind of unblocked the big, the big fear I had around it. And I wondered, well, one thing I, I often think is once you sung in public... Speaking in public is not as bad. Yeah. So it kind of, <laughs> once you've done sober karaoke, you know, speaking at the team meeting doesn't seem like such a big deal. I think there's something in that. Yeah. I mean, and, and I definitely joined a choir because I realised that uh, there I was yapping on about speaking with confidence, but I was nervous about singing. There's a really cool writer called Frankie Armstrong who is, um, she's a singing teacher and she's blind. So she comes at it from a slightly different, very auditory point. And her thing is everybody can sing. You know, literally, there is no one who can't sing. And some of us are told 
that we're tone deaf or, you know, all of that stuff at school. It's just not true. And I think that if all of us just embrace singing like walking, you know, it's just something that we can do. And, and we don't think, I walk badly, we just walk. And, and I think for all of us, it's good just to sing, just enjoy it. I'm not saying you have to get up and do sober karaoke. I think that would be a stretch for me. <laughs> but, you know, maybe sing in the mornings, maybe join a choir, yeah. sing with your kids if you have them. Just be easy about it. Mm-hmm. And it's so good for mental health. That I don't know what the statistics are, but I often hear about how being in a choir is so good for our minds and connection and community it's and that lovely. sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. It's... We're all so lost in our screens, aren't we? You know, I'm as bad as anybody else. And I think the voice singing takes us beyond that little box. Mm -hmm. It becomes about, you know, vibration and air molecules and resonance, which is all really good for us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Talking of phones, I hear a lot from people that phone phobia is something that affects them. And I know that you wrote about that. Can you share what that is, people that maybe don't know and... Do you have any advice for people struggling with that? I, I mean, I, I, I think I may have a degree of phone phobia, I have to say. Because there's something about when we've been um, hiding, you know, in our little boxes on screens, I can, you know, I can send a WhatsApp message or a text. And I don't give any emotional content away, really, when I'm writing. You know, you can read in emotional content, but it's hard to know how I was feeling when I wrote that, truly. Whereas with the voice... If you pick up the phone to someone, because it's your breath, your voice is your breath, they can hear immediately what's happening inside you. And so that's a wonderful thing. That's why we should pick up the phone to people we love more. But it's also very vulnerable. And so lots of people will say, I hate making phone calls. I hate it when people call me. So if you're someone who feels like that, there's a, a, I learned this from an actor as well, actually, She's died now. She was called Anna Massey. She was wonderful. And she said, if I have to make a phone call, first of all, I get myself really comfortable. And I would say, if I'm really nervous, I stand up because that just helps your confidence. And she says, then I imagine the face of the person that I'm going to talk to. I picture them and it becomes real. Now, I've heard people in call centers say they have a photo of someone they love. You know, so that you, you might actually talk to a picture of someone that relaxes you. Or you might imagine the person for real. But if you can make it feel humanised, and I think also get yourself in control, so stand, pause, get your voice centred, it will start to feel less like you're being judged and more like you're in control of it. It's a funny thing, though. Mm, I, I heard some advice. I think it was like a business business advice. Of don't answer the phone from an unknown number. Because it's just going to waste your time because it's more than likely going to be a thing. So I'm, I'm starting to do that, but it's not phone phobia, I don't think. It's just wanting to save time. But I know a lot of people who, do, who won't answer phone yeah. on their numbers or... Yeah, so that's really good advice. I love that idea of having a picture of someone that you love there and just pretending that you're speaking to them almost. Because they hear that yeah. smile. They, they yeah. hear that... You can hear six kinds of smile in a voice. Oh, wow. Which is incredible can't remember where the research was, but if you Google six kinds of smile, the research will come up. And you, what you, kind of smile? What yeah. are the six kinds of smiles? I need to know now. I need to research that. Because the, the, the smile affects the resonance of the voice, mm-hmm. so you're creating a different chamber for sound, and, and we can hear that different resonance. We can also hear when someone's not smiling. Mm-hmm. 
So I think that's the thing is that when you're on the phone, you know, imagine they're in front of you, really smile, really engage, because they'll hear it. They'll hear it. That's so interesting. Okay, good, good tips. Do you ever, is it difficult, I was curious about whether it's difficult for you as someone who helps people with this. Do you feel like a lot of pressure to um, (laughs) do things perfectly or... I don't know, what's it like for you as a speaker when you're teaching people that? It's massive, isn't it? It's funny, mm-hmm. I, I had the book launch last Wednesday, a week ago. And so all these people were coming to celebrate the book launch. And there I was going to have to do a 10-minute speech and stand up and talk about speaking with confidence. <laughs> and so I have to, you know, I did do some work on it with someone because it, it's something you can't mess up. Yeah. So I definitely feel that there is an extra layer of pressure. Well, you know, and for you, there will be around being calm and managing anxiety. (laughs) But the way I frame it to myself is that if I'm putting myself under double pressure, that's great because I'm helping people who are under pressure. And the more I understand what it feels like to be under pressure in that spotlight, the more I can help the person who's doing the scary speech. So I kind of... I rationalise it for myself like that, but yeah, it's daunting. Yeah, I, I sometimes wonder if people think I'm always calm or yeah. never worried about anything, and it's definitely not the case. So <laughs> definitely, I definitely ask my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think yeah, I guess it comes back to that thing of recognising that it's such a common thing for human beings to to feel, and we shouldn't beat ourselves up about that. And I remember reading about um, the singer Adele who even though she's the most amazing singer in the world, potentially, um, she gets so nervous, she's sometimes sick before her performances. So if you can be that amazing and still get nervous, then it's, you know, we can all experience that. And it's, it's okay, I think. It's so okay. Nerves are just, they're such a good thing. And, it, and, I, and I think the thing that I really, truly believe about speaking is that perfect just doesn't exist. The whole point with live speaking is that it's, always going to be gloriously imperfect and yes have a plan yes be as relaxed as you can but then just embrace the fact that yeah it's going to be imperfect great it's more interesting Mm, definitely and um i realized that i'd watched your ted talk years ago when i was probably needing some help with public speaking and then i was reading your book and i was like oh i recognize this and realized i watched your ted talk which i recommend everyone watches as well as buy your book um and I love how you kind of address in the beginning of the talk the kind of the, the awkward moment at the beginning of the talk when you're just about to speak. And I think there's something so powerful about just bringing all of that stuff to the surface and just talking about it and acknowledging it. And it makes it seem so much less threatening to kind of just talk about it. So thank you so much for, for sharing all of that. And it's had something like seven and a half million views which is incredible it's mental yeah amazing <laughs> um thank you so much for everything that you shared oh thank you i've loved chatting um please can you tell us where people can buy your book and find out more about you and your work so the book is on amazon and all good booksellers you can find out about my work at carolinegoida.com and we're doing a little offer at the moment where if you buy the book and send us a, a receipt to info at gravitasmethod.com then we will send you um, a set of audio courses on speaking with confidence amazing amazing and the book's called find your voice find your voice find your voice amazing thank you so much pleasure thank you loved it 
Thank you so much for listening. I really hope that you gained a lot from this episode. Come on over to Instagram and let me know what are you taking from this episode. Find me at Chloe Brotheridge. And I would love it if you would leave me a review in the podcast app or in iTunes. Subscribe to the podcast, leave me a rating. And is there someone in your life that would really benefit from this podcast? You can let them know by sharing this podcast. I'd be so, so grateful. So I'm just wishing you a wonderful week ahead, sending you loads of love. Hopefully you'll tune in again and I'll see you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.